Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on this beautiful, amazing day. And here in Carolina, it's raining a little bit, but that's beautiful. I don't care what kind of weather you have. It's got nothing to do with the weather. It is beautiful because you are here. Let me ask you three questions that I always am going to start with. If you can guarantee a great start to your day, would you? Would you do it? If you could guarantee a great start of, start of your day, would you do it? Next question is, is there a downside to starting your day in the Word? Is there a downside to that? And the third question is, if I gave you the definition of joy, as joy equals gratitude, would you incorporate that into your life? So those are my three questions. I am Robert Bolden, Life Transformed, and this is Coffee in Christ. This is my weekly behind-the-scenes look at what I do daily in my life. I start every day. Part of my routine is to go through what I'm going to share with you today. So let's jump right in. For those of you who are new, you know the routine. Or for those of you that have been around for a while, you know the routine. For those of you who are new, just sit back, listen in, and be intentional in the moment. And reflect as we go on what's coming up for you. Okay, so the verse of the day is, For I have given rest to the weary enjoy to the sorrowing look at that i have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing and what did i just talk about joy equals gratitude so look at that this verse and it's jeremiah 31 25 this verse speaks exactly to that if we are grateful to god that's going to bring us joy and here it says, For I've given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing. You guys, you can't make this stuff up. That's God wink. That's how this God thing, that's how this Jesus thing works. For y'all that don't know that, <laughs> I'm telling you what. I am living such a joyful life now because of that. That knowledge. And knowledge is nothing unless you apply it. Unless you take action. So you can get all the knowledge in the world and you've got to take action against it. So... My action is doing what we're doing right now today. I know it is true. I have faith and I put it into action by starting my day in the Word. And the Word speaks back to me. This is a great example of the living Word. Oh my goodness. You guys are here for a great podcast because, wow, what a way to start off. And you guys, this is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when you're... When you're in this mindset and when you're following Jesus 100%, totally surrendered, this is the way things happen. So I, if you're not there, let me know if I can help you get there in any way. And you may not even know if I can help you. So let's you know set up a time, set up a call, no matter where you're at in the world. That's the beauty of today. We can, we can connect no matter where we are in the world. In the whole entire world. Isn't that amazing? Love, 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 love that. 
Okay, let's go to the plan. Okay, let's go here. Had a sip, because this is coffee in Christ. I had to have a sip of my coffee. Okay, the devotional for today. Scars mean sex. So this is all about um, relationships and sex a little bit, yeah. Scars mean sex. One of the programs we watched during Shark Week, Island of the Mega Shark, really caught my attention. On screen were giant 14-foot white sharks that were pockmarked on their backs and sides by scars. The narrator claimed there are definitely sexually mature females here. I wondered how on earth he knew this. Reading my mind, the narrator continued, their sides are a battleground of scars, and those scars mean sex. Males have to hold on somehow. Consequently, females who are sexually mature have scars on their sides and gills. I paused the show. I was no longer thinking about the breeding habits of the scariest fish in the ocean. I pulled out my phone to write those three words, scars mean sex. Oh my gosh, this is just, sorry, this is oh, bringing up a well of an emotions in me. Because um, I think I know where he's going here. My uh, Pastor Ronnie has, has spoken on this. You know, everyone that you've had sex with, they, they take a little piece of your heart with them. Um, wow. Okay. Here we go. I began to think about the people in my life with not physical but emotional scar tissue. Some healed and healthy, others infected and ugly. Sex was always the common denominator. The friend whose marriage blew up after an affair. Scar. The mother who discovered her son sexting. Scar. The buddy who was given HIV by a girlfriend who knew she had it but didn't want to suffer alone. Scar. The teen whose life was living a hell because of naked pictures she sent to one person but ended up spread all over the school. Scar. The child who was molested by a family friend. Scar. And the pastor who was exposed to pornography in junior high and fought a secret, smoldering obsession with it for years, making it difficult to honor women or himself. That's my scar. Oh my gosh. Oh, you guys, this is so powerful. And I, you know, I've got my own scars with this. Just looking back over life and just, oh. And not that I was a crazy person or anything, but it doesn't matter. It's just, those are scars. All the things around this topic. And, and, and God created sex. It's a good thing the emotion for sex but how satan can steer it okay let's let's continue contrary to what our culture preaches sex is much more than a physical activity every time you have sex with someone it changes you when we engage in sex outside of god's plan it can make us unable to enjoy it inside his plan the more times you pull up a post-it note and attempt to re-stick it the less powerful the adhesive becomes like a frequently moved post-it note, sexuality loses its stickiness over time. Sex is meant to glue two people together for a lifetime. Think of it this way. The more people you attach your post-it note to, the less long-term power the sexual relationship will have. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your past. Yeah, and I don't feel bad about my past. I feel like it's always about awareness. 
And once you become aware, then you have a choice in And you can control your choices. You can control your thoughts. And that's why, again, in the Word every day and um, living a life following Jesus, that's what it's all about. Okay, instead I want you to fight for your future. I pray that you would understand you have the power right now to prevent scar tissue down the road. Sex is much more than a physical activity. And that's under the banner of remember. Sex is much more than a physical activity. So good, you guys, so good. Um, This is a personal reflection um, topic. And I know that, you know, with with my new church here in Carolina, Elevation, I'm, I'm leading a group now and I'm helping with leadership in some avenues and... You know, one of the things they talk about is no, you know, if you, if you are, if you are going to be or have a desire to have sex outside of marriage, come speak to us because that is not something that they condone. And I just love that. And that makes me feel free in, in a way. And, um, yeah, and that emphasizes this point. Right, it was meant. Sex is meant for, you know, between a man and a wife in a in a marriage. That's that's the fact, and it will be so much better that way when we think of it. When I think of it as much more than a physical activity, which I am well down the road on, by the way, just because of my transformation over the last several years, and I've got stories about this too. But that's it. It is the transformation. And since God came into my life, since I started following Jesus, everything has changed for me um, uh, from a positive standpoint. And again, I'm not perfect, but I'm aspiring to be the man God created me to be. And Jesus is the teacher along with the word. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit's guiding me every step of the way. All right, 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Boom. And then Genesis 2. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. It's beautiful. When you think about it, it's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, this is so rich for... I mean, for me at 62, but... Obviously, for young folks too. So, if you know, if you're listening to this and it's resonating with you, pass it on to a young person, man. Because if I, someone would have, and again, you never know, someone could have spoken this into me when I was a young person, and it may not have had an impact, but it may have. That's the beauty. It may have. And just think of how it would have transformed my life. Um, so, my comment today: God is saying to me. God is saying 
that I'm on the right path here. That's what was in my heart and it comes to pass in the scripture. You know, I love, I love that because I just had that orientation with elevation a couple weeks ago. And now I'm in the process of, you know, asking God for that, for that wife, because I know I can do much more, you know, with a partner, with a spouse to honor his kingdom than I can on my own. So that's my prayer. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Okay, so the phone, you know, you type in and it fat fingers things. God is saying, on the right path. I'm in the law. Somehow law got put in there when I was typing. All right. So, so good, you guys. So good. I love it. All right. Let's go to... We doing on time? I think we're doing okay on time. Woo, that was emotional. I think that's the most emotional I've gotten on one of these podcasts. And again, none of this is re- rehearsed. I never know what I'm going to be reading and, and what's going to come up. So you're getting total. <laughs> Here it is. This is exactly what's happening from Bob. All right, we're in 2 Kings 8. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. The king was talking to Jehazi, the servant of the man of God, and had said, Tell me about all the great things Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Gehazi said, This is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, Give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income income from her land from the day she left the country until now. Wow. She left seven years, came back, and everything was restored. Is that amazing? Okay, so it is like, yes. You guys, if God tells you, in this case, the woman through Elisha, to go away for seven years, don't overthink it. Just go. (laughs) Just go. That is the promise of our God. Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, was ill. When the king was told, the man of God has come all the way up here, he said to Hazal, Take a gift with you and go to meet the man of God. Consult the Lord through him. Ask him, will I recover from this illness? Hazal went to meet Elisha, talking with him, taking with him a gift, 40 camel loads of all the finest wares of Damascus. He went in and stood before him and said, Your son, Benedict, king of Aram, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha answered, Go and say to him, You will certainly recover. Nevertheless, the Lord has revealed to me that he will, in fact, die. He stared at him with a fixed, with a fixed gaze until 
Hazael was embarrassed. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping? asked Hazael. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places, kill their young men with the sword, dash their children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael said, How could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram, answered Elisha. Then Hazael left Elisha and returned to his master. When Benedid asked, Hadad asked, What did Elisha say to you? Hazael replied, He told me that you would certainly recover. But the next day he took a thick cloth, soaked it in water, and spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Hazael succeeded him as the king. See, this is what's crazy, right? Oh my gosh. Hazael, even though you were told that, you still did it. Huh? In the fifth year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, began his reign as king of Judah. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for he married a daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, for the sake of his servant, for the sake of his servant, hold on, flipping the page here. David, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. He had promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. In the time of Joram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own king. So Joram went to Zer with all his chariots. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he rose up and broke through by night. His army, however, fled back home. To this day, Edom has been in rebellion against Judah. Libna revolted at the same time. As for the other events of Joram's reign, Jeroam's reign, and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? Jehoram rested with his ancestors, was buried with them in the city of David, and Ahaziah, his son, succeeded him as king. You know, that's a theme in two kings, and I love it's just kind of poetic when it, you know, they always talk about as for the events of so-and-so's reign, and they'll go down that road. In the twelfth year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, son of Jerom, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for one year. His mother's name was Athaliah, a granddaughter of Amri, king of Israel. He followed the ways of the house of Ahab and did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for he was related by marriage to Ahab's family. Oh my gosh, Azaziah went with Joram, son of Ahab, to war against Hazel, king of Aram, at Ramoth Gilead. The Armenians wounded Joram, so King Joram returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds the Armenians had inflicted on him at Ramoth in his battle with Hazel, king of Aram. Then Haziah, king of Joram, king of Judah, went down to Jezreel to see Joram, son of Ahab, because he had been wounded. And that is eight. <laughs> Two Kings eight. So again, venture into the, uh, and I'm doing this with a friend, um, and it's so much fun to read through the Old Testament with a friend. And, and um, you know, Old Testament is a story. It wasn't meant for us. It was meant for those people at that time. But it is a story of, of God and, and um, you know, his creation and then how, 
how people consequently <laughs> just jack things up because of original sin is my is my guess but uh, yeah it's so interesting and it's really so much fun and don't read the Bible with the intent of oh I want to read the Bible and then I can check it off my list that I read the Bible no that's what I would have done early in my life um, but it's so much richer if you can read it with somebody hence why we do life transform isolation in the community do it you know read with somebody you get so much more out of it you capture that power of the mastermind two or more minds meeting together it's so powerful all right you guys let's go to the verse of the day from our wonderful wonderful friend miss sarah young rest in me my child give your mind a break from planning and trying to anticipate what will happen pray continually asking my spirit to take charge of the details of this day remember that you're on a journey with me when you try to peer into the future and plan for every possibility you ignore your constant companion who sustains you moment by moment you know i love this and i tell people all the time i used to be a a really anal planner i would plan every second if somebody would interrupt my plan i would be upset <laughs> now i still plan I still plan because I really do believe that consistency is is one thing that compounds. And if you consistently do the small things every day, just like this devotional, it's going to be great. But when my plans are interrupted, I look to see how God is working. And I am excited because I know that he is interrupting my plans for his plans and his plans are always greater. Beautiful. All right. As you gaze anxiously into the distance... You don't even feel the strong grip of my hand holding yours. How foolish you are, my child. Remembrance of me is a daily discipline. Never lose sight of my presence with you. This will keep you resting in me all day, every day. Yes, no need for any stress when you're in that mind space. Pray continually. That's from 1 Thessalonians. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even when your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That's Psalm 139. Finally, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Psalm 62. You guys, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning. I so appreciate all of y'all for sure. And um, share this with somebody that you feel like right now needs to hear this. Um, and subscribe to the podcast. We're going to be ramping this thing up in the next couple of months. You're going to see a much bigger presence from Life Transformed. And it's all God's work because we're going to be doing kingdom work as a, as a community of people, getting, you know, getting people out of isolation into community, a community of people who are for you, don't judge you, and are in harmony with you. That is what this is all about. That is our purpose right it's the big the big commission go out and make disciples okay until next time have a great rest of your day love you and we will talk to you soon